Chapter Thirty Six of Order Number Eleven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Order Number Eleven by Carolyn Abbott Stanley. Chapter Thirty Six. Mammy visits the Provost Marshal. it was weeks after this that mammy stood one morning on the horse blocks vainly trying to coax the old army mule up to a sufficient degree of nearness for her to fall upon him her jumping days being over the mule casting his remaining eye at her generous girth prudently stepped aside each time at the critical moment mammy was arrayed in a faded black calico riding skirt and a freshly ironed and slatted sunbonnet which betokened a journey uncle reuben stood by with a bundle of flannel and cambric held gingerly in his arms they never left the child alone one moment for in the cabinet's mother still babbled softly and crooned and laughed reuben lay dat child down in de grass and come here and take hold dis fool animule look like he ain't never seed a ridin skirt before and indeed the beast did seem to be in rebellion and ready to try his hand with the rest at secession he doubtless felt that the talents of a government employee even though somewhat past his prime were being put to ignoble uses this september morning what you layin off to tell him dilsey the feat had been accomplished and mammy sat triumphant a rotund mass on the back of the subdued bucephalus how i know what i gwine to say asked mammy gathering up the lines and settling herself in the saddle tell i know how fur dey gwine push me i don't never tell a story doubt i have to but if they push me now the sentence was unfinished indicating the wide latitude she allowed herself delcy i mighty fear de devil'll get ye some day said uncle reuben seriously he greatly disapproved of mammy's facile tongue how come de devil gwine to get me for tellin lies demanded mammy ain't he de fader of them i reckon he can't deny the trade you take care dat child she called back ef you don't you'll think something wasn't the devil's done cut you dat you will and they plodded on she had got an early start for the way was long and the mule not swift she was bound for independence to answer a summons to appear before the provost marshal of course the summons had not been for her but for her husband as the nominal head of the house but mammy had more confidence in her own powers of narration as we have seen than in those of her simple-hearted god-fearing truth-loving spouse she determined therefore to answer the call herself putting her husband's failure to appear on the ground of rheumatism and consequent inability the case of the wounded soldier harbored at their house had been reported and also the fact that he was now missing 
their solemn protestation that he was dead was not taken as conclusive and they were required to report at the military post they had been thrown into the greatest alarm by the summons for the law in its mysterious operations is an awesome thing to children and negroes on grand prairie they had become somewhat accustomed to lawlessness they certainly had had fine opportunity to do so but the law that was different the old woman ambled on looking back from time to time at the pitiful little row of cabins which was all that was left of the glory of the trevelyan estate it don't look much that keswick she mourned i reckon de feastin days is over it was a ride to discourage even the stout-hearted and mammy's soul had been very downcast since beverly's death on every side were burned fences and blackened fields and the ruins of homes her progress was marked by ejaculations and groans it was the first time she had left keswick since the church was burned when she came to dr lay's she rode up to the silent house unhindered by fence or gate she would have got down and gone in had she not had the fear of remounting before her eyes and also if the truth were told a superstitious fear of going into the house whose owner had been thrust so violently out of life her curiosity got the better of her fears however and she rode up close to the windows of the sitting-room it was a double house upon the orthodox plan two rooms and a passage above and below she could easily see into the room from her elevation on the mule's back it was dismantled and bare nothing was left but a large isabella stove and the bookcases built in the wall the books were gone she turned the animal's head to the road again glad to get away from the brooding spirit of desolation that lay over the place it was afternoon when she reached independence she inquired of a man the way to the provost's office and went straight thither everybody knew the way to the provost in those days two or three men were in the office when she went in one of them a fine-looking federal officer rather in the background he was evidently there more from curiosity than anything else and it certainly was an admirable place to study human nature and existing conditions mammy had removed her riding skirt and bonnet and stood in respectful silence till the provost or his deputy or whoever it was should look up then she made him her best curtsy well said the man abruptly what do you want mammy protested her entire absence of wants and the man asked her name which she gave adding the information that she belonged to colonel trevelyan of keswick de soldier said you wanted to see my old man sir and he was dat poly dat i's bleeged to come in his place sir after a few minutes consultation with the deputy and some papers the provost turned to her you are charged 
he said ponderously with aiding and abetting the enemy is this true no sir said mammy hit ain't true you hear my racket i ain't bettin on none of em i think de whole kitten villains half devils the officer over by the window looked vastly amused this was a new type to him mammy's free and easy words were without a suspicion of impudence she was only expressing her opinion in her own way haven't you been caring for a rebel soldier in your house she was asked in de cabin you mean dey ain't no house left well de cabin then haven't you yes sir i have mammy admitted well in doing that you've been giving him aid and comfort you acknowledge that no sir i ain't give him any aid i didn't have none to give him we ain't got nothin left but de old mule and he's de most ungodly's old creetur ever switched a tail she added recalling his actions at the horse blocks then she returned to the accusation aid and comfort my lord we all ain't had no comfort ourselves since de white folks gone let alone given of it to anybody else i jest nussed him sir dat's all i done i ain't given no aid and comfort no sir who was this man you were harboring she was asked pointedly mammy hesitated for a brief second it could do no possible harm that she could see to tell this now and as she had said she never prevaricated unless there was a reason for it dat was mars beverly trevelyan sir she said slowly and impressively my young master what giant price's army at de beginning of de wall yassir well that's what you're charged with aiding and abetting the enemy mammy looked at him in unfeigned amazement you call mars beverly de enemy Humph. if he's de enemy who in de name of god you going to call de friends well who do you call the enemy asked the man he had caught the infection of the officer's quiet amusement and was willing to have a little fun with her i call dem de enemy was doin de devilment she returned promptly killin and plunderin and runnin off de stock and tysin off dem niggers and come that will do he felt that he had given her too much license now i want you to tell me the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth yas sir that's what i was going to do but you can't tell de truth bout jackson county not down our way don't you bring in de jayhawkers and de redlegs no sir dey done work de zevs into de noration capital said the officer in a low tone to another who had joined him that's about what they've done yazer dems who i call de enemy why dey burnt mars william's house sir and dey took de white folks clothes dey did 
and Miss Nanny's silk dresses and her set of pearls, what was gwine to be Miss Virginia's on her wedding day. She stopped abruptly and turned to look at the officer by the window. Look to me like dat's de vay one de took em, she said. She had observed that the man was laughing at her and was willing to avenge herself. I know him by dat mole on his face. There was a roar of laughter from the officers in which the suspect joined, and Mammy, with a hardly perceptible smile, turned back to the provost. De soldiers called him Lieutenant Tigerman. You're off the scent this time, old lady, spoke up the officer. My name is Black. Mammy turned and looked over silently, the men waiting with interest to see the outcome. Then she turned back to the group around the provost. Yaza, a heap of em has forsook their names, but look like you can't denounce a mole. Dat sticks to you. There was another laugh at the officer's expense, and then the provost said sternly, what was beverly trevelyan's business here i never heard him say sir do you know no sir where did you find him down in de breche do you mean he was bushwhacking no sir he was laying dar wounded and bleeding to death when i found him in point of fact wasn't he going straight to your house when he was shot yaza i reckon he was mammy was serious enough now and so were the others but what else could he do sir she asked with simple eloquence de house was burned his pa and ma was drove off dey wasn't no neighbors whar could he go sir seppin twas to his mammy's house the provost wrote on without looking up you knew he was a rebel he said why did you take him in mammy towered above him in a dignity born of the occasion why did i take mars beverly in she repeated why sir he was my child when my little reuben died and miss betty was so sick mars william give em to me i raised em sir a nussed em from dis old breast she struck her bosom with a gesture as dramatic as it was unstudied could i turn him off when he was dying the officer turned to his companion with a look of wonder on his face it beats the devil he said had he come down here to loose a people from bonds like this by degrees they got the whole story from her at least so much as she thought best to tell she said nothing about the wife or child so far as she could find out no living soul knew about this but herself and uncle reuben respect for the family honor more than anything else kept her silent about it she had always felt that it was a disgrace it was not her business she considered to make it known there were serious faces in that office as she told of his death and burial beverly trevelyan was known to many of them 
of course he was a rebel but it was a sad end if any of you knows whar mars william is i wished you'd try and get de word to him she said as she concluded and there was nobody to jest this time is dey anything to pay sir she asked hesitatingly looking much relieved when told there was not cause we ain't got nothin but de mule left she explained and as i told you he's mighty obnoxious sir in the laugh that followed she bowed herself out the officer by the window followed her here old lady he called i don't know your name dilsey sir aunt dilsey did generally calls me de young uns anyway aunt dilsey then he spoke it awkwardly not being accustomed to the familiarity of the appellation he put a green back into her hand here take this and get yourself something to eat thank ye sir thank ye young master cried mammy she did not know why it should be given to her she had done nothing but that money was a godsend i hope you'll excuse me sir about dat mole i knowed all de time you want a man i was just foolin you got de advantage of dat man in de place your mole done choose for hisself hisn was on his nose and i reckon you got right smart de advantage of him in de family you was born in too i don't know whether you come from old Fijini, sir but you surely is got de marks of de quality yaza dat you is end of chapter thirty six recording by john brandon